This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. I'm going to Shabbos. Hope everyone is well. As it's well known, this week's Parshas, Parshas Kairach, and when we hear the words Parshas Kairach, we remind ourselves of this very, very bitter battle that Kairach led against Moshe Rabbeinu. Kairach gathered a group of people, a small group, but a very powerful group of some very big dignitaries to wage a campaign, to wage a war against Moshe and Aaron, debating and fighting over their positions and the positions given out by Moshe and Aaron. Ultimately, it was really a battle against HaKadosh Baruch Hu and this terrible divisive machoikis that really ripped people apart, families apart, really did interior damage to Kalal Yisrael. And ultimately, the, the death and the punishment for those that took part in Kairach's rebellion. And we're reminded, and we have a mitzvah according to many Rishonim, that we should not be like Kairach of We have a, a commandment in the Torah not to follow that path, that style, that way of rebelling against Moshe Rabbeinu and the Torah Hashem. So we're all familiar with the story. We all know the basic plot line. Kairach was bothered that he didn't get a position or a high-ranking position that he felt was coming to him based on his family background. He thought Moshe Rabbeinu was using nepotism and his own rights and decisions for who gets for whom gets which positions. And therefore he laid a campaign, a battle against Moshe Rabbeinu. Ultimately Hashem showed the world and Kairach who was right and ultimately who was wrong. That we're all familiar with. But I want to take a step back and look at this machlekes from a different angle. We all know that Kairach was a good person, was a tzaddik. He had the privilege of carrying the Aron. He was a tzaddik, he was a navi, he was a prophet. He was wealthy, he had so many things going for him. Yet he got so caught up, so obsessed, so to say, with overtaking Moshe Rabbeinu's authority, it led him down this path of rebelling. But there are some other people who are very important to this machlekes that we need to discuss. Rabbeinu Bachaya tells us in this week's parasha that there were two great men who both were very wealthy, very successful on top of their world, in a great place. And what brought them down, Rabbi Rabbeinu Bachaya, according to Medrish, they both were, were allowed and they were swayed by their wives. Medrish tells us, right, Rabbeinu Bachaya, one is Haman, Haman had everything going for him, but he listened to his wife who told him, yes, it's a good idea, we should, you should kill Mordechai. Writes to Medrash, the second one was Kairach. That Kairach's wife was very much a part of this story of Kairach. Kairach didn't just wake up one day on his own and decide that he wants to overtake Moshe Rabbeinu. He was very much being uh, persuaded by his wife. And Rabbeinu Bechayi says something which I never came across earlier. He writes that, Moshe, that he quotes the Medrash, that Kairach would come home and his wife would say, No, what did you learn? What did Moshe Rabbeinu teach you today? And he'd say, Moshe Rabbeinu taught us about Tchelas. And that's when she came up with this idea that she thought this was so far-fetched, this idea of Tchelas, that if you were to wear a beggar and a garment that would be full of Tchelas, you would need not wear to wear tzitzis. But it was Aisha's Kairach, was Mrs. Kairach, was the one who was really racing on Kairach, really getting, stoking his coals to get him to be excited about rebelling. She was the one who really pushed Kairach. Of course, we're not blaming her because we're all responsible for our own actions, but we need to realize that part and parcel of Kairach's drive, that desire wasn't just from him. He heard it at home from his wife. She was egging him on. Yes, Kairach, go. You could defeat Moshe Rabbeinu. He's a troublemaker. He's wrong. You're right. 
So much of Kairach's push came from the wife of his wife. And the Medrash tells us something also. The Medrash says that she used to tell her husband, why did you get stuck carrying the heavy urine? You're from the dignitary family. You should be one of the high appointed positions. Instead you get caught, you're stuck carrying the heavy, burdensome urn. And the Pinchas Scheinberg asks, we know the urn wasn't heavy. Because we know the urn carried itself. It carried those who carried it. So what was, wife, what was the wife of Kairach saying? And he explains, because the wife of Kairach had a negative outlook of Avodah Hashem. She looked at Avodah Hashem, oh, it's terrible, it's horrible, it's horrific. Look what they give you, Kairach. They don't give you any great, prestigious position where you sit in the front and everyone acknowledges your greatness. They give you the back-breaking, but it wasn't back-breaking, but she perceived it like that. She had such a negative outlook on her husband's role on Avodah Hashem. So she really painted a picture for her husband. Again, Kairach did, it on a, Kairach did the deed and we're not going to take away what he did, but again, it's worth noting that so much in the background of this story wasn't just Kairach in a vacuum. It was being egged on by his wife, who was pushing him, pushing him to, to continue this battle, and to wage this war, and to push him for Gevura. So we see how often a spouse, and it can go either way, can, can continue, or even stoke the coals to make a fight, to make a problem, to make issues. And the contrary we find as well in this week's parasha. One of the original members of Kairach's rebellion was a fellow named Ein Ben Peles. And Chazal tell us that Mrs. Ein Ben Peles stopped Ein Ben Peles from getting too caught up in this debate. And the Chazal tell us, <clears throat> she told to Ein, she said, listen Ein, what are you getting involved in this debate? Whether Kairach becomes the Kain Gadol or Aaron becomes the Gadol, Kain Gadol, either way you're not becoming the Kain Gadol. So as we say to the English, you have no skin in the game. So why are you missing where you don't belong? This was the advice, the Musser, that Mrs. Ayn ben Pelis gave to Ayn ben Pelis. And on this advice, Chazal tell us the famous passage, The wisdom of a woman will build a home. And many Mepharshim asked the question, what was so wise and so smart in what she said? What she said makes a lot of sense. That either way, Oim Mepelis is not the next Kain Gadol. Either it's going to be Kairach, and Oim Mepelis is only going to be a second fiddle, or it's going to be Aaron, and he's going to be a nobody. It doesn't sound so ingenious. What was so smart in what she said? So Abhanachlibus explains, as do others, the godless and the wise element of Mrs. Oim Mepelis was she knew what to say to her husband. Very often with spouses... You can yell and scream and call the other one foolish and you don't know what you're doing. That's not going to get them to listen. She knew how to cut through to the core, to the, the words that Oymed Pellis needed to hear to make that click in his brain where he says, Oi, you're 100% right. So often we think that the way to get through our spouse is by yelling and screaming and, and, and speaking derogatory towards them or of them. And that's going to make them see our side. No. Mrs. Oyim Ben Pelos knew that if she just spins it a certain way, she presents it in this light, she says it this way, that will click for Oyim Ben Pelos. It will make Oyim Ben Pelos realize his error. And I think it's such an important lesson in relationships. So often, we think that the only way to get our message across is by banging it over their head, so to say. Slamming it over their head, yelling over and over. But sometimes it's just the way you word it. It's not the demand, it's not the, it's not the forcing, but it's just the statement. Listen, I'm telling you this, that, and the other. I know in my life, my wife knows this very, very clearly about me. If she wants me to do something, she doesn't tell me I have to. Because she knows when I hear the words I have to, I always have a, a, back, 
a backlash of, no, I'm not going to do it. That's the way most of us are. But she presents it in a way that it just makes sense. Like, this is the right thing to do. This is what you should do. Not that I'm forcing you, not that I'm making you. This is what Mrs. Ben Pellis did over here also. She said, listen, I'm explaining to you why what you're doing is a bad idea, and you decide on your own what you want to do. But she took it a step further, Mrs. Ayim Ben Pellis, because I'll tell us that she took, she went with her daughters, and she stood in front of the tent when the rebel rousers came with her hair uncovered. And she stood there and she shooed away. They all, they all saw a woman standing here with her hair uncovered. So not Tsunua. They all ran away. I think that's Pshad and Chochma Isha Ban Sabai. She didn't just say, oh, I see my husband's going to make a big mistake and ruin the family. She did something about it. She didn't just talk, which she did. She got up and did something and she did something which was not easy. You think it's easy for a firm woman to reveal her hair in front of people that are coming? It's so embarrassing. It's so degrading. It's so the antithesis of a good woman. But she said to herself, I need to save my family. I need to save the future of my family. I got to do something. Maybe that's Pshanan Chachma Isha Ban It's that wisdom that they use to do something. Not just talk, but to act. Do something. And I think this is so relevant in the, in the, in the world we live in today. There are so many women who want their home to look a certain way. And it's fantastic. But sometimes they don't do anything about it. They don't, sometimes they just talk about it. And they're not willing to do very often, if you want your husband to learn more, you have to do something to make that happen. You're going to have to juggle more on your plate if you really want him to go to the Shira night. If you really want him to learn more, you have to do something. It's not enough just to push him. It's not enough just to say it in a nice way instead of forcing it down his throat, which won't work. You have to present to him, like Aisha's Oyim Ben Pelis explained to him how nice it would be, how much it would mean to you, how you'd feel so special if you went to learn and learned more. But you also have to be willing to roll up your sleeves and take on more responsibility, which is not easy. That's what Mrs. Oyim Ben Pelis shows us, that sometimes you have to do the uncomfortable, take more responsibilities if you want a certain outcome. And we all know that the tone of the home is so often set by the woman in the home. And if she wants a certain tone, she has to work for it. Again, not that the husband should be opposed to, but sometimes he needs that reminder how he can up his game and up the family and up the whole surah, the whole structure of the home. But sometimes it comes with a price. If he's going to be out learning, so someone else has to make up for that, but she's willing to do it. Mrs. Ayn Ben Pellis showed she's willing to do what it takes to save her family. I think that's shot in the famous Pasuk. We all know when Chava was created, we said she's an Azer Kenegdai. She's a helper against you. So the Gemara in Yavam has asked, well, which one is she? Is she helping you or is she against you? So Rashi quotes from the Gemara, well, depends. If you're lucky, she helps you. If not, she's against you. I always thought that Pshah was, it's not a contradiction. Aza, the way she helps you is connected to go against you. That's the biggest help. When she points out where you're making a mistake, when she realizes where your flaw is, and she points it out, that's the biggest help. Aza, the way she helps you is connected. It's to go against you. Instead of being a yes man, whatever you say, you must be so right, husband. No, she says, I'm sorry. I think you're making a mistake. There's a flaw here. You need to realize, you need to stop. You need to rethink this situation. And that is the power of a, of a good Jewish wife, a good Jewish woman, has this ability to change everything. Not just in the Jewish home, but wherever they go, they have this amazing ability to change how things are going with a very subtle way of speaking, with a very pinpoint musr with rolling up their sleeves and doing extra action to make sure it happens. And I think this is the continuation that we find from the last two parashas. In last week's parasha, we have the story of the Miraglim. 
So we mentioned many times the famous question of why did Moshe Rabbeinu only daven for Yeshua and not Kaliv? Why didn't he feel that need to daven for Kaliv? So Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky says famously, because Kaliv didn't need Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillahs. Kaliv was married to an Isha Chashuva. Kaliv was married to Miriam. Miriam Hanavia would protect Kali from any mistakes in the Miraglim. Even though, as far as I know, Miriam didn't go on the trip with the Miraglim. But that's the power of a good Jewish woman. She has the ability to instill in her family, even if she's not there. From a distance, she can instill in them the true values, the good values, the way to live a life. So it's a very large responsibility for our Nashim Tzitkanis of our generation, who have so much on their plate as it is. So much responsibility, but the Torah is reminding us in this week's parasha, look at the contrast. Look what a wife like Haman and a wife of Kairach did. He goes down in history forever and ever as the villain, the Russia. While the wife of Kalev and the wife of Oyn ben Pelas and all the other great, wonderful Jewish women that we have in Jewish history who've made a difference, who have stood up and said the right things, the, the careful words, and rolled up their sleeves and made a difference. So many women in our lives, in our world, in our history, have made differences that last forever. It's an amazing responsibility with a major, major achrayis. We should all learn from this week's parasha how to help each other. I don't mean only women, husbands as well as wives, spouses, men, family members and friends. We all have that ability. When we see something happening, we can change the direction if we, use, if we think and use the right words and say it in a certain way. Don't be mean. And don't be hurtful. Just try to use the words that you think will reach their goal and accomplish what you want. And Mr. Shem Baruch Hu should see we're trying to improve ourselves. We're trying to improve our homes. He should bring bracha, v'hatzlacha, and all good in our life to ourselves, to our families, and to all of Klai. So have a wonderful Shabbos.